Good morning, Faith family. I hope you had a chance to read the calling passage out loud. Even if you're by yourself, open up to Psalm 73 and read it out loud. Uh, then take advantage of the music that Sean Price wonderfully prepared for us to just uh, prepare our hearts to receive the word implanted, that we are worshipers of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways we prepare to receive the word that he has for us this morning is through um, reading together and out loud his word, and then also uh, uh, through just singing his word. And so if you have not done that, please do that. I also pray that at this time, as, as we are in week four in this series through Colossians with a couple of detours in the Psalms that, um, that we are calling I Still Am, and we're being just reminded of the, of the power of Christ in, this, in the middle of this COVID-19 um, social distancing. Uh, we just are fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the anchor of our souls. I pray that you would have, by now, you would have found a spiritual rhythm for you, for your spouse, uh, together, for your family, together, whatever that would look like for you, that as you walk with Jesus in this time, as I, as I see, um, we're in week eight now, I think, of this, of this time of being ungathered, and I, I sense people getting more and more frustrated. I, I sense anger growing. It doesn't surprise me because those are uh, where the enemy lives. And as he sees his time getting shorter, his desire to increase anger and hostility and division among God's people increases more and more as well. So I pray, one, that you would stay patient, that you would stay focused and grounded on Christ. I pray that, that as we are looking for places to gather, because the school has yet to say we can gather in there again, or they've even given us a date for when that would be possible. Um, we are looking, actively looking for calling places to see when we can gather. We'll get word out as soon as we can. Our heart is to be together. Uh, we just, this is what we can do right now. I pray that you're using this opportunity to gather together in homes as you feel comfortable as well. But most of all, I pray and have been praying for our faith family, for our church, that we would fix our eyes on Christ. The best antidote we have for fear and anger and frustration is to remember who Christ is and who he says we are to him. And if we will remember those things, it will be well with our souls. So cling to that, cling to Christ. Before we jump into the question of the day, I have a few questions for you. And one of the things I, I don't want to, before we kind of, as things start to open up, even as of the recording of this, and um, play, there are places, businesses that are starting to reopen, and, and, and maybe it feels like we're walking back into a more normal life. Um, one of the things we've, I've encouraged you in over and over during this time is, is don't, don't miss this God-orchestrated time that he's given us, as unpleasant as it may have been for many of us, uh, to um, let him do his work in us. And so I have a couple of questions I just wanted to ask you. One, what has God used this time to remove from your life that you don't want to add back? So as, as we start to, what it feels like maybe we're walking back into some semblance of normalcy, what are some things that God has removed from you during this time that you don't want to add back into your life? And then the other thing would be, what are some things you've added to your life during this time that you don't want to lose as we gear back up into a more normal lifestyle? And so um, what has he removed that you don't want to add back? What has he added that you don't want to lose? Those are a couple of questions that I have for you um, as we enter into this journey. Um, Finally, I just would I would just encourage you, and, and I'm and I really as 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 your pastor, I am pleading with you: don't get so caught up in what might be coming, whether that might be is um, some sort of um, a conspiracy thing, or or a, a, a prophecy thing, or 
um, even just an unknown thing about your business or your family, but don't get so caught up in what is the next month, the next year, um, what does all this mean for our world? Don't get so caught up in that, that you, that you miss the truth that Jesus is passionately concerned with the journey you're on. If you're his, he's already sealed the destination, right? He already knows the end of the story. He is really concerned with what, what the, what, what the journey you're on with him looks like. So don't, don't look so far ahead that you're missing what he has for you today. That's part of what we're trying to remind ourselves of in this series we're calling I Still Am. And today we're looking at Colossians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. And the theme verse for this section of scripture that's also on the front of your bulletin that you can get on the front page of our website is, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And, I, and before we jump into the passage, I want to review kind of where we've been because, because our, the, the, the chapter, what we call chapter 3, starts with the word therefore. And every time we see the word therefore in the Bible, we want to say, what is the word therefore, therefore? Because it's, it's a transition. And so Paul is transitioning and he's saying, therefore, because of what I've already written, here's what you are to do. So in chapter 1, we saw that, that Jesus is the one who is still holding all things together. That all things are created by him and through him and for him. And he is the image of the invisible God. And he's holding everything together. And then in chapter 2, we saw that he is still the one who is offering freedom of, from the bondage of sin. Because he has wiped clean at the cross of Christ, paid the debt, wiped clean the, the, the penalty of our sin on his cross. And so he's still offering that freedom from bondage. So in, in light of that, it's like Jesus is saying to us now, or Paul is saying, Jesus is saying to us through Paul, therefore, in light of the fact that I'm the one holding it all together, in light of the fact that I'm the one who can release you from the bondage of sin, I am the one who should be changing the way you live and what you're living for. And that's what the title of today's message is, is called. I still am the one changing what you live your life for. I still am the one changing what you live for. One more thing I want to ask you, and I've said this many times. Send me, if you've been with Corner, at Cornerstone for very long, you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it slowly. How much of your time, energy, attention, anger, frustration focus, finances, social media activity has any eternal significance whatsoever. If we were to check your Facebook account, your Twitter page, your um, Instagram posts, if we were to check your bank account, if we were to check if, if, if we were to check just your day planner, um, or, or your viewing history on everything from YouTube to Netflix, how much of any of that has any eternal significance whatsoever? That tells us, that tells you, I'm not actually going to do that, check on you, I mean, um, but that, that should tell you what you're truly living for. Our problem and why it's so hard for us to, to live for eternal things is because we have trust issues and we have, as my brother Jesse Sines has said years ago, and it stuck with me to this day, we have a perspective problem. We all have trust issues and a perspective problem. So the, so the question I'm asking today that, that Colossians 3 is going to help us answer is, how do we fix our perspective problem? How do we fix 
our perspective problem. And the outline we're going to go through today in, um, in this chapter is uh, the way we fix our perspective problem is we prepare through upward thinking. We practice what we've, what we've changed our mind to think about into upward living. We practice it by living upwardly. And then finally, we press into his upward calling. So before we open up the word of God, let me just pray. Father, I just come to you right now and I thank you most of all for who you are. I thank you that your son is the great I am who walks upon the waves of this world and, and, and has everything in the palms of his hands. Lord, I thank you for the truth that it doesn't matter what, we, um, wh what we're worried about because as long as we're yours, uh, there is no need to worry. I, there, there are real things, real struggles, real pain, real affliction. I, I get it. I get it in my own life as well. But Lord, you are in control. And so we can, our souls can rest in that truth. Lord, we confess that we are an anxious people, that we are a, that we are a worried people. Lord, I, we confess that we can easily become distracted um, with just the things of this world and, 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 and building our own kingdom, the selfishness that comes from that. But Lord, we thank you for the grace that you offer us. We thank you for the truth that even in the midst of all of those sins, worry and anxiety and selfishness, your grace is sufficient. Your power is perfected in our weaknesses. So, so may your power be made evident in this time as we, as we walk through your word with you and, and your spirit brings it alive to, our, to the spiritual eyes of our heart. Lord, I thank you for churches that are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ here in the valley and around the globe. Lord, I pray for my fellow pastors right now as, as, we, um, as we beg you for wisdom and discernment on, on how and when, and in our case, where we might be able to gather again. Uh, Lord, I, 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 I pray that you would um, help us find that balance between gathering that we might reveal the gospel and at the same time, not, not ruining our witness by, by being um, by appearing selfish to people that you might be trying to draw to the gospel. Finally now, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things from your truth. Lord, I pray that, that you would help us um, to see how to fix our perspective. Lord, I pray that what we lack, you would give us. Lord, I pray that what we don't know, you would teach us. I pray that what we cannot see, you would show us. And I pray that what we are not yet, you would use this time in your word to make us. And I pray all this in the beautiful, majestic name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. So if you open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter three, we're going to jump right into the first part and we're going to look at our first point, And that is that we are, we, we are to prepare through upward thinking. We are to prepare through upward thinking. So in Colossians three verses one through four, Paul writes, therefore, so therefore, in light of what we talked about or what we saw in chapters 1 and 2, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. I, I know I, I don't ever want te the teaching of God's word to be a word study, but I, I do think it is, it is so much more rich when we can look at like the intentionality with which the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this letter and, and use certain words that, that we might miss their, the nuance of um, if we don't really understand what they fully mean. So, I, so I'm not trying to, 
to sound smart by sharing with you, here's what this word means in Greek, or here's what the, here's the tense of the verb. Or, but, I, but I am hoping that it will help unlock some of the beauty of God's word to you. So for example, in verse 1 when he says, you have been raised up, that is, that is um, actually in the passive voice, which means that you didn't do it. It means somebody outside of you, the way, the way Paul wrote it was, was you didn't do the raising. You didn't even help with the raising. Somebody outside of you, bigger than you, God, obviously, is the one who raised you up with Christ. And then he moves on and he says, so because you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking and, and set your mind. Those things are in what's called the imperative mood. Those things are what's, and, and what that means is that it's, it's the mood or the feeling of a command. So it would be like a drill sergeant barking in order. So he's saying, because God raised you up all on his own, without your help, here's your part. Do these things. Present tense, keep seeking and keep setting your mind on the thing. Keep seeking things above. Keep setting your mind on things above. Don't, don't doubt it. Just do it. It is, it is, Paul's telling us, get your mind right. Get your mind right. Like God raised you up. You are now alive in Christ. Your job now is to get your mind right because you have the mind of Christ. We read that in last week's reading in 1 Corinthians, I believe it was. Right? We are new creations spiritually. And then in verse 3, he says, You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, what is Paul alluding to there? Wait a minute. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He's talking to a bunch of people that are reading his letter, so they're still alive. We're sitting here reading his letter 2,000 years later. We're still alive. So what does he mean when he says, you are died? What You have died. What part of you and, and your life is hidden? What part of us has died and what part of us is hidden? Well, the answer is the spiritual part of us. And, and this is you're going to hear this over and over in, in this message and in the coming few weeks um, because... We are, we are in this place of living between the already finished and the not yet done. We talked about that a ton in our Revelation study through Revelation and Daniel that we did last spring and through the summer. Um, but it's this tension of living between Christ set on the cross, it is finished, which means that if you're in Christ and the cross is applied to your life, the work is done and, and God sees us like, like we saw in Colossians 2. He sees us as, as fully renewed and yet we're still, it's not completely done. And the part that's not yet done is, is creation. The physical creation has not yet been renewed. And so we're kingdom people who, who, have, who have died and been transported in a very real spiritual sense to a new kingdom. And yet we're still living in this kingdom, which is the, which is the fallen one. So our flesh still sins and Roses still have thorns and storms still come and earthquakes still happen and all those things are happening because we're living in this space between the kingdoms. Right? But, but, but get this, everything we say and do reflects on the God we claim to know and love because it reflects and reveals what society we are truly citizens of. So, so back to our, our question, how do we change our perspective? How do, we, how do we get our minds right? How do we set our minds upwardly? Right? It's, the reason that matters is because it reveals like, really where we see, where do we see our citizenship? 
Do we see ourselves as citizens of the United States of America or do we see ourselves as citizens of the new heaven and the new earth all in a very real sense already there from God's perspective and yet still struggling through today? Get this in verse 4. He says, you also will be revealed with him. So now Paul is giving us sort of a second direction. He, at first he says, turn your mind upward. And then he also says, but look forward. Notice he never, he doesn't say behind, right? When Paul writes about, he always he says, forgetting what lies behind. I look forward to what lies ahead in Philippians chapter 3. It's, um, he's always forward, upward and forward. That's Paul's thing. Upward and forward, upward and forward. So he's saying, you, have, you will be revealed with him in the future. Well, you've died. You're dead. Your life has been hidden with God. And someday that life, that, that what, is, what is from God's perspective, our reality in Christ will be revealed to us. So then he says, therefore, again, so in light of that, Consider the members of your body, verse 5, consider the members of your body as dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and greed, which amount to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. And this is one of the lists that he gives that's, that's very similar to the deeds of the flesh that are listed in Galatians chapter 5. And we've read those many times as a church. Um, but he's saying, he's saying because, of, because you have died and your life has been hidden, what I was just sharing, he's like, consider your body, your physical fallen still still struggling body dead as well. And again, that's an imperative. He's saying it, it's a command. Do it, don't doubt it, right? It's, it's how we ought to be thinking about our flesh. And he's like, because, because once you walked, you, you and me, before Christ, we lived in all that list of stuff, the impurity, the passions, the evil desires. Guys, that's why we don't ever want to look at those people out in the world and go, oh, they're so bad. How can they do that? Guys, apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ and the grace and the power of his spirit living in us, we are them. Our, our attitude needs to be ever increasing as as the world gets uglier. We need to be saying, of course it is. Of course they are because they need Jesus. And not judge them, but reach out to them. Why do we still struggle? It, you're going to probably get tired of hearing me say this during this message, but it's because we still have, some people will disagree with the verbiage in this. I don't really care about the verbiage. We have what many will call two natures. We have a spiritual nature, that born again part of us that is that has died and has been hidden with Christ already. And we have this physical, still flesh. It's, it's the wrestle that Paul had in Romans 7 and 8 that we read in our daily readings this last week. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from the body of sin and death? The physical, he's saying, my physical nature, my physical body, who's going to rescue me from that? And then he says, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And then in chapter 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Right? It's this, why? Because, there's that, because part of him is still here struggling. Part of us is still here struggling. And part of him has already been transferred into that new creation, that spiritual part of him. And, and he's wrestling through that, and so are we. Guys, we have a spiritual part of us that is, that, is it's the new kingdom part of us, that, that coming kingdom that is already sort of with us, already sort of, but not yet fully done. And then we have the physical part of us. That physical part of us is still part of an earthly fallen kingdom. When he says that we are a new creation, he's not talking about, because 
if you think, okay, well, that means, I, that means I'm completely new. No, you're completely new from God's perspective, but not from ours. Spiritually, we are completely new. Physically, we are still decaying people, the body of death, right? That's also why Paul writes in Romans 12, another one of the greatest therefores in the Bible, when he gets to this whole wrestle that he's having and, and praise be for the gospel and its power, he's like, now here's what we are to do to live it out, which is what we're talking about today in, Ro in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, present your, by the mercies of God, present your body a living and holy sacrifice, which is, your, which is acceptable to God, your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed into the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. He's saying, therefore, because although we still struggle with sin, we have been transferred, live like it. He's like, just live like it. Guys, our struggle is because our already made alive spirits that have been renewed and our renewing and the renewing of our minds are constantly being dragged back by our dying, decaying flesh. Right? The fight for faith, the fight, your fight to live out Christ's life in you is a fight between two kingdoms. Between God's kingdom and a kingdom that is ruled by Satan. Right? And we're seeing that kingdom conflict happening more and more and more all around us. But guys, as kingdom people, we can live by kingdom power for kingdom glory as we look for the return of our king. And he is coming again. And then there will be no more wrestle. Praise the Lord for that. Guys, faith is the battlefield where, our, where the word of God and the world, so God's kingdom is revealed right now in God's word. And the word, the word and the let me start over. Faith is the battlefield where the word of God and the world wage war for our will. Why? Because one is God's kingdom and the other is Satan's kingdom. So what do we do? Well, guys, it's all about where we look. It is. It's all about which direction we're looking. Let the pessimist look down. Let the self-absorbed look around. Look around. Let the I'm sorry. Let the pessimist look down. Let the self-absorbed look in. Let the worried look around. Let the angry look at others. But let the godly ones keep looking up, guys. It's all about our perspective. Are we looking down? Are we looking inward? Are we looking around and getting worried? Are we looking at other people and getting angry? Or are we looking up at God and saying, come quickly, Maranatha, Lord Jesus? We, we were in one of our little gatherings and I heard Chris Paulson say, everything we are going through is leading us to where we are going to. And I just thought that was just, just a sweet way to remind us of this wrestle we're in. Everything we're going through now is to prepare us for where we're going to in the future. Look at your table talk question. The table talk question is sort of a chance for you guys to talk about what you just heard. It says the fight for faith is between two kingdoms, God's and Satan's. And the mind is the battlefield on which the war for your will is waged. So here's what I want you to do. Take, take a few minutes. You're going to pause the video and you're going to share some specific and practical ways you set your mind on things above. 
specific and practical ways and get creative. Don't absolutely the word of God, pray all, but, but guys, like think through, like what are some ways that, that you can share and encourage one another with as the darkness grows and how do we continue to live as God's people in God's kingdom, in a kingdom, in a worldly kingdom that just seems to be getting darker and darker. So share with each other now, encourage one another in that. Okay, so the question is, how can we fix our perspective problem? First, we have to prepare through upward thinking. Our next point is we have to practice by upward living. What I mean by that is we have to practice this new perspective, our upward thinking perspective. We need to actually live it out. We need to put it into practice. We need to do some of the things hopefully you just talked about in your group. Practically um, speaking, like how do you do that? Right? Paul is, is moving from, first. He's, this, the first part of our passage, he talked about moving from death to life. Now he's going to talk about putting off, taking off your old clothes, your old self, and putting on your new self. So death to life, off to on. So what does that look like? In verse 8 he says, but now you also put them all aside. What's them? He's going to tell us. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you, were, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. So he's saying, put them aside. That's, guys, that's in what's called the middle voice in Greek, which, which Paul wrote that, that way to say, we have a, so, so active voice is we do it. Passive voice is it's done to you. You're just sitting back and it's being done to you, like us getting saved in that first word that we talked about. The middle voice is you partner with the one who is doing it. Right. And so, so when he says, put them all aside, what he's saying is with God's help, with the help of Christ, put aside these evil things. And again, this is very similar to, to Paul's deeds of the flesh that he lists in Galatians chapter five. And he's saying, he's saying, stop this, these sinful behaviors with Christ's help. And then in verse 10, he says, having put on the new self and having been renewed by the true knowledge of God, according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free man, for, but Christ is all and in all. So he's saying, you put on the new self. And again, that's in the middle voice. He's saying, having put on the new self with Christ's help, so you, you take off with Christ's help. Stop doing those things. You put on, start doing the, the new things with Christ's help. But now get this, being renewed. That's in, that's in the ongoing active tense. It means it's always happening to us, but it's in the passive, which means God's the one doing it. So here's what, here's what he means. He's saying, you work by the power of the Spirit of Christ in you. You take off. By the power of, of the Spirit of Christ in you, you put on. But it is... Christ alone who is changing your wardrobe continually. Guys, here's a way to think of put put on the new being renewed. It's in this active passive voice. It means somebody outside you is doing it is it is Christ is doing your dirty laundry continually. He is the one who is continually wiping away, taking care of your new clothes. Do you ever wonder? I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this message even even this morning. Do you ever wonder like why when in Revelation, when we're going through Revelation and you're going to read a little bit more about it in your daily readings this week in Revelation 14 and then in next week, uh, Lord willing, in Revelation 15. But, but as it talks about the witnesses who are, who are coming back, the martyrs, the witnesses, God's people who are up in heaven, who are returning with Christ. You know, remember how they're all dressed? They're all dressed in white linen. Why? 
because there's no dirty laundry anymore. Right? In, the, in the new heaven, there's no, all that laundry's been done, and it's, been, it's in the new kingdom. There is no dirt. There's no dirty laundry. And, and Christ is coming back with those people with their all, he's dressed in white. They're all dressed in white. Why? Because their laundry is clean. The problem is our laundry, even though Christ already, we, saw, we talked about this two weeks ago, Christ sees us, God sees us through the lens of Christ's cross as completely clean, as white clean. We still get dirty. We still feel dirty and our laundry still needs to be done. And what, what Paul means here when he says having, um, being renewed, it is Jesus is constantly renewing. He's constantly doing your laundry, right? It is, guys, that, that picture of the witnesses coming back that we saw over and over because it's throughout Revelation, it's, it is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he says in Hebrews chapter 12 that, that therefore, another one of those therefores, because we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Those are the witnesses. We have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, the, the ones that are going to come back, the saints that are going to come back with Christ in the clouds, let us lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Guys, do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, he's saying, stop letting your laundry get dirty so that you look more like those people dressed in white that are coming back. Yes, he knows we're going to get dirty down here. He does. That's why there's grace. That's why there's the cross. But he's saying, lay it aside because it's just it's just going to the dirt's going to weigh you down and run with endurance to race up before you how fixing your eyes on jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of god right because the kingdom wrestle we are just we are in a kingdom wrestle because we live in between this already and the not yet our spiritual passport our passport, I have one, maybe you have one too because you've been to Mexico on a missions trip or something. I have a passport. It says that, it, it physically says that I'm a citizen of the United States of America. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm not discounting that. I, I would take that passport anywhere in the world over any other passport in the world. But my real passport, the one that really matters is my spiritual passport. And what it says is that I'm a citizen of heaven. It, the question becomes, am I living like my passport says that? Right? Am I am I living like I'm like I'm like I'm a citizen of heaven, or is my primary identification passport I'm a citizen of the United States of America? I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says this: "We are still our conscious self." He's talking about this wrestle, this struggle between the two between the two kingdoms. We're still our conscious self, the same person, but at the same time we are new persons. The old in us has died. Now something new and holy is planted deep within. He's saying, yes, we've died, but we still have a, we still, the flesh still has a memory, but deep inside us that, that our hearts have been made alive by Christ. It is his spirit in us that has been, that has implanted us. It has turned our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Guys, but understand what Paul's telling us now about practicing this this living upwardly, doing what what Christ God's word tells us to do. This is not about white knuckling this and just trying to do better in our own strength, it, it, guys. If 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 what you do is today you go okay, I I just need to start living better, you're gonna fail. It's short lived. It is only by God's power. It's it's by tapping in 
to an otherworldly, that other kingdom power that you've that part of you has already been transferred to. It's tapping into that and drawing your your physical strength from that power that will the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in you that will allow you to live this way. Don't try to do it in your own strength. This is not about doing more. This is about being. This is about being conscious of his powerful presence living in you. And he says that in verse 11. There is a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. Here's what he's saying with all those different types of people, whether it be Greek or Jew or circumcised or barbarian or Scythian was just what was another, like they were barbarians. So basically what he's saying is there's no class of people in God's economy. The ground is level at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Everyone is the same at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because there is no, um, there are no nationalities. There's no, it just, it's, it is all, what do you do with Jesus? That is the question of life, right? We have more in common with our brother and sister who are believers in Jesus that live in China and Uganda than we have with our unsaved family, biological family, that might be living in our own home. I, I, I know that that can make people feel uncomfortable, but, but biblically it's true. It, does, it doesn't mean that we don't love those people. It doesn't mean that we don't still want to hang out with those people. It doesn't mean that we don't want to... Uh, but, but spiritually, kingdom, right? If you say, no, my, my, my real family is this physical family, you're denying the spiritual reality which is what Paul is talking about in this in in chapter in verse 11. Right? Do we believe that? Do you live like that? Do you do you love people that are not like you? Different nationalities, what whatever you want, ethnicities, um, socioeconomic status, what whatever it is. Do you love people that are different from you? Be- because they're different. Guys, I I said this over and over. People that don't like diversity of all kinds, that people that don't like diversity are going to hate heaven because heaven is full of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so we better get used to being with people that are different than us. Verse 12. So as those who are chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on the, put on the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you. So also you should you beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Guys, just like before I was talking about how those other lists were, were Paul's deeds of the flesh, this is the list that is Paul's fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. That's what he's talking about here. Guys, and certainly it is worth taking some time this week and and and, and just all the, like reflecting on how how is my life reflecting these things like forgiveness and gentleness and patience, etc. But our tendency is to focus on the behaviors. Our tendency is to only focus on that listing and then score keep and go, well, I'm doing pretty good here. I'm doing better than my spouse is here. So I'm, so I'm, so I'm okay. The, the key to the whole thing isn't the list of behaviors. The key is the first part of the passage. Those chosen of God. Those chosen of God. Because the behaviors are just symptoms of that reality. Those chosen of God 
this is what he's here's what he's saying this is what citizens of christ's kingdom look like how is if if christians are to be christ-like that's what the word means if we're to walk like christ that's what the god that's what the apostle john tells us right if, if we're to if we're to walk with christ how, how do we do that how do we display that we're doing that it's by how we love one another Right? In, in Romans chapter 12, Paul writes this, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I just wanted to pause there for a minute and, and, and let that sort of sink in because um, there's some hard stuff there. But that is what a citizen of God's kingdom is supposed to live like in this kingdom now. right? Because by, the, by his power, through his gospel strength, that's how we are to live. Look at your table talk question. Because it's hard. It is hard. And that's what the table talk question is going to have you talk about. Relationships are hard. Sometimes people hurt. But what if that's the point? If God's goal for his kingdom people is Christ-likeness, and Christ's love and grace and forgiveness are the things we love most about Jesus, wouldn't God give us opportunities to practice those things in ways that look similar to how the Messiah and so many other saints suffered? Because do you get what I'm asking here? He's saying if if God's goal for us is Christ-likeness and the, and Christ is love and grace and forgiveness, isn't it incumbent almost upon God to give us opportunities to practice those skills when it's hard? Because it was hard for Jesus. So here's the question that I want you to discuss. So in light of this, how have you seen hard relationship experiences grow you in the image of our king? How have you seen hard relationship experiences grow you into the image of Christ? Okay, so hopefully you had a chance to discuss that kind of hard to discuss question. I just want to remind you of a couple things. Guys, Guys, remember, God is telling a, a beautiful story. L yes, life is hard. It is, this is a wrestle being kingdom, like living between these two kingdoms is a hard thing. But here's what we have to remember. We have to remember that he is leading us to a new heaven and a new earth that is that, that and back to the tree of life, right? That in the Garden of Eden, there was the tree of life. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they were removed from there so that they wouldn't eat that tree. And, in, and in Reve at the end of Revelation, at the end of the story, in the new heaven and the new earth, there's the tree of life. And God is telling a story to bring his people back into that place in the garden. But get this, the true tree of life in the kingdom of God is a cross covered in the blood of its king. The true tree of life in the kingdom of God is a cross covered in the blood of his king. Have you tasted the grace that flows from that tree, the tree of the cross of Jesus Christ?
have you been, do you remember that, that the only way to look like Christ is to look to Christ? And that the more you look like Christ and look to the cross of Christ, the more useful you will be in the coming kingdom. So today's question is, how can you fix, how can we fix our perspective problem? First, it's by being prepared through upward thinking. Second, it is by practicing by upward living. And our last point, and it goes quickly, is to press into his upward calling. It is to not run away from what he is calling us to do here, but it is to lean into that space. It is to press into him and to let him and his image, like a cookie cutter does on, on, a, sheet of, on a sheet of cookie dough, is to let his image press into you. So here's where Paul goes in verses 15 and 16. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We're going to pick up on some of this when we, um, in a couple weeks when we get back to, to finishing up Colossians. Lord willing, but in verse 15, when he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, that word rule there really is the picture. It means like umpire. It means like, it's, it's like you're, you're, um, you're the one who is, who is, um, it is the, it is the one who is controlling the, the rules of the game. So let the peace of Christ, the peace is one of the spiritual fruits, love, joy, peace. He's saying, let, let the spirit of God be the umpire of your heart and there you will find your peace guys the the closer believers are to christ and his likeness the closer we are to each other one of the images we use in our marriage counseling and in our marriage um, retreats that we have is this image of this of a triangle and so it's this idea that that when you have two people if they're both looking to the cross of Christ, so you have a husband and a wife, let's say, and they're both looking to the cross of Christ, and, and that means that they're in the Word, and they're spending time together in the Word, and they're praying together, whatever that, what, that, that looks like, but they're looking to Jesus. Over time, as they're both heading towards Him and growing more like Him, what happens to the distance between the two people, the husband and the wife? It gets shorter and shorter and shorter. As we, as we move towards the same object, we get closer together. It's just the way it is. And that's true in, in marriage, but it's also true in every relationship we're in. Right? If you have somebody that you're, that you're feeling distant from, even living in your own home, one, are they believers? And two, if they are, are you both moving towards the image of Christ? Are you both looking more and more like Jesus? Because if you are, then you ought your hearts ought to be getting closer and closer together. That's true in the church. It's true for our church. It's why we do the daily readings. It's why I'm saying I've been stressing that over the last few weeks as we have been physically separated. One of the ways we can all be closer together and when we gather together, feel closer together is if we're all looking like the same person. And that person isn't Doug. That person is Jesus. So spent, spending time reading the same passage on the same day is a way for us to 
to look more like Christ and to get closer together. And that's really where he goes next in verse 16 when he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. It means let it settle down into your soul is what he's really talking about there. Be a student of the word. And all of these things lead to teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness to God. He's saying if you'll do these things, if you'll let the spirit of the living God control, umpire your heart, and you'll let the word of God make you look more and more like Christ and draw you closer together, here's what it's going to look like. You are just naturally going to end up together, drawn together, singing and praising and worshiping, which is what we're going to be doing perfectly in the new kingdom. He's saying you can do that now. Why? Because the gathered church, and I know it's ironic to talk about this right now, but the the gathered church is as close to heaven as we will get in this fallen kingdom. What are they doing right now? We saw it in Revelation 4 and 5. What are they doing right now in the new kingdom that is yet to come down here? Right? They are worshiping at the throne of God. Now, once that new heaven and that new earth gets here and and everything is renewed back to the way it was in the garden, that worship is going to look a lot of different ways. It's not just going to be singing at the throne, singing Kumbaya for all eternity, but it's going to be perfect worship together with God's people. And the the gathered, that's, that's why the local church is so important. And this idea of this, well, there's the big church and that's what I'm a part of. And I'm not going to get on that soapbox. I'm just saying that's why that's not real. Although it is true that we are all part of, a, the, all real Bible believing Christians are part of the church of Christ. The local church is what's really important to, to Jesus, Revelation 2 and 3, because that's that is as close to that new kingdom living as we're ever going to get because we are praying that we can gather together again soon like i said at the beginning we are we are calling places we are checking out places that might be available to us we are looking for for all for options that are realistic um and doable but in the meantime we're also asking you if you feel comfortable open up your home don't wait for the church to organize it for you here's what we talk about all the time you you're the church right if, if you're part of Cornerstone Church, you're as much a part of Cornerstone Church as I am. Don't wait for me to tell you what home to go to. Call a couple of people from church and invite them into your home to do this, to, to watch the music, to sing, to read the, the, the psalm together at the start, to watch the message, right? Even as we try to figure out how we can all gather together, start gathering as you feel comfortable, as you feel led. Guys, that would be an awesome thing. We need to all be about the business of the church because we are all part of it. Um, but, but remember, Paul's last point there is that the gathered church is, is the taste of the new kingdom. The gathered church is the taste of the new kingdom. And I just want to end back in verse 12, sort of with that thought. Because verse 12 to me is just such a beautiful thing. When he says, So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. Because what, what a beautiful description. Those who are chosen of God, holy. It's, it, present tense, it's done. He sees us as holy and beloved. Guys, remember, God is for you. He not only loves you, he likes you. He wants to be with you. He died to save you. 
He is coming again to be with you forever. We are holy and beloved. Who is he talking about? He's talking about us. He's talking about those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. He's he's talking about his church. Guys, he cares deeply about you and he loves the messed up you. Just as you are. Right? Whether you feel like it right now or not, he loves you. He sees you as holy and beloved. Why? Because he chose you. Because in eternity past, he reached down and he said, that one's mine. Because that is worth celebrating. Not just on a Sunday. That is worth celebrating by giving our very lives to him. By changing what we live for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for um, the truth that we are just passing through, that, that there's a part of us that has been transferred from this kingdom, this fallen kingdom that is ruled by Satan, already into your kingdom, and yet we're still here. So may we, be, may we just see ourselves as pilgrims clinging to your promises, walking day by day, doing the next right thing that you've called us to do as we march into your kingdom. We are kingdom people living by kingdom power for kingdom glory. Lord, help us to be that. Help us to live that way. Help us help our perspective problem to go away by continually keeping your eternal kingdom in front of us. By being in your word, by talking to brothers and sisters in Christ, by just by by by, by just by just focusing on the things above. By thinking and living and pressing upwardly. Let us press on to the upward call of Christ by the power of his spirit in us. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Hey, next week, Lord willing, we are going to be in Psalm 37 as part of this I Still Am series looking at I Still Am the One Wanting to Be Your King. I Still Am the One Wanting to Be Your King. Our sending passage today is out of the passage we're in Colossians 3 and it says this for if you have died your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life is revealed when he comes again and he is then you also will be revealed with him in glory my dear faith family keep living keep looking upwardly because he is coming back to get us in Jesus name love you guys miss you much